Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada's Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, great to have you here today. Yeah, wonderful to be here. You know, we are going to uh, really hit one of our primary topics. This is what we're all about. Uh, uh, our tagline for Back to the Bible Canada is we teach the Bible. Yeah. And so we thought we would take some time today to discuss a little bit about what the Bible is and, and why it's so relevant to our lives. And then in preceding a number of weeks, we're going to be talking more specifically about issues of the Bible. But right now, let's go to the Bible. Yeah, let's go to the Bible. I want to talk about why the Bible is the unique book in human history. I think it's known by a great many people that the Bible was written over a long period of time. If you don't know it, uh, listen up. I want to tell you why the Bible is unlike every other human book in history. We know that if you go to Europe, you'll find a number of the great cathedrals of Europe that were actually taken multiple generations to build, so hundreds of years in order to complete one structure. And we look at it and we say, wow, that's fantastic. What we have in the Bible is a book that took a great deal longer than several hundred years. Uh, we know now from the dating of various methods in history that the date of the Exodus, that is, the date in which Israel as a nation came out of Egypt as a slave nation, was the year 1446 B.C. Uh, if you imagine that they came to Mount Sinai and they arrived at Mount Sinai, and then in about 1445 B.C., they were at the foot of Sinai and heard the Ten Commandments, and those words of the Ten Commandments were written in, on stone tablets. And if you imagine those, the first words that were ever recorded from the voice of God, 1445 B.C. From 1445 B.C., the beginning of the writing of the Bible, until the year A.D. 95, when the book of Revelation is complete, we have a period of well over 1,500 years. In other words, the book that you pick up or that you buy at a bookstore or you order from Amazon is a book that took over 1,500 years to write. No other book in human history is like that. Now let's add to it a couple of other features. Uh, the Bible is written in three different languages. Uh, most of what we call the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. There are a couple of chapters that are written in Aramaic, and then the New Testament is written in Greek, so in three different languages. Then the Bible was also written by over 40 different authors. You know, some of those authors were kings, David and Solomon come to mind. Others are military general, Joshua comes to mind. Uh, Moses would have been the founder of a nation. Others are prophets. We know that Amos uh, was a farmer. Uh, we know that others wrote um, as relatively uneducated people. The Apostle Paul, probably in his day, would have been among the most educated of the elite in the world in that day. So if you could imagine the wide range of people that write the Bible. Also, the Bible is written in a number of different places. Uh, some of the places were in king's palaces, and other places were written in dungeons and in prisons. The Bible is also written with a number of different uh, uh, styles or different genres, uh, what we call different styles of writing. Uh, some of the Bible is simply historical narrative. Some of the Bible is poetry. Other parts of the Bible is legal text. Some of it, we just simply find a number of different numbers in which there are simply statistical counts of people. 
Other parts of the Bible are letters, and then still other parts of the Bible are what we might call apocalyptic literature, which comes replete with, you know, these fantastic images of the end time with images that give both despair and hope. And it's highly figurative in its, in its, uh, in its literature. What I'm meaning to say is that the Bible just comprises this vast variety of literature, but, but what holds the whole thing together? You know, what's fascinating about the Bible is that in these 40 different authors, in the three languages, in the variety of different writing styles, in so many different eras of human history, the Bible amazingly tells one story, one narrative. From the first words, in the beginning God created the earth, to the very last words, which tell about the God about God recreating the heavens and the earth and creating a new heaven and a new earth and the consummation of all things from beginning to end. It tells one story and that one story is in fact cohesive. It does not contradict itself. And indeed it gives us a breathtaking vision of the very beginning of the world and what is becoming of the world. There is no book in the universe like it. You can go to the U.S. Library of Congress with over 164 million different volumes of human literature, and among all of those, you'll not find even one that's close to what I have just explained. I want to say something. If God were to write a book, you would expect the book that he would write would be different than every other book in history. And indeed, that's exactly what we have in the Bible. I just frankly think it's the most exciting thing that you can have. Now, what's also interesting is this. The Bible is the most purchased and read book in human history. It continues to be that today. In fact, it is so far outstripped all of its competitors, I think it can be accurately said that the Bible actually has no competitors. It is translated into more languages in human history. It is read in more places than in human history. And it frankly has changed human civilizations and human lives in a way in which nothing else can. So when we have the Bible, what is it that we have? We have, in fact, the living word of God. We have, in fact, God's words communicated to us. We have, in fact, the complete and final revelation of God's dealings with the human race, which finds its completion and consummation in a man named Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, and promised to come again and make the whole earth that which it was created for. In spite of the fact that the Bible has twists in its plot line, and in spite of the fact that the Bible has easy portions and difficult portions to read, its scope is so breathtaking that it has captured human imaginations for millennia. We want to talk about the Bible. We want to talk about a book that is so complete that it fills the human heart with wonder and imagination. Hi, this is Ben Lowe, and welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John. Dr. John, we have, I think, an exciting interview today. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know what, we have the opportunity, or I should say I have the opportunity of talking with you regularly, but all different types of issues. We do, we talk about yeah. everything. And, uh, but I think it's important, and it'll be wonderful for those that, that watch the program, 
to hear a lot of your perspective as to why you do what you do, the passion for what you do, and uh, your perspective on so many questions about the Bible, uh, particularly in today's society. I mean, we, we hear all the time about people uh, today that are very open to spiritual things. Right. And, uh, and I guess uh, we should celebrate that in some respect, but in other respects, I think it means something different than we might imagine. So when someone comes up to you and says, I'm open to spiritual things, what are you thinking about? I don't know what I'm thinking about. That's yeah. an interesting thing because spirituality in our day, Ben, it runs the gambit of different experiences. It can just simply refer to somebody's heartfelt experience in which it feels vivid to them. Um, I love to tell this story. My wife and I were in Vienna and uh, we were actually listening to a Beethoven Strauss concert in the very hall where Beethoven used to play. Um, and that night before it was over, it was a warm night and the upstairs windows were open. There's no air conditioning in the place. So you could just feel this warm air wafting through and the lights went blue and we're right you know, on the Danube and they started playing the blue Danube. And, and in a sense, that was a deeply spiritual experience. I'll remember it to this day. And people do use spirituality in that way, something that they feel physically and that has this dynamic to impress on them. Whatever that experience is, that's called spiritual in our day. Yeah. But the Bible uses spirituality in terms of our relationship to God and our willingness to submit ourselves to God and to trust Him wholly. Okay. That's spirituality biblically, yeah. but that's not necessarily how the term gets used. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, I think it'd be interesting for people to hear and for myself to hear, you know, you are so uh, committed to teaching the word for expositional teaching. I think people who listen to uh, anything back to the Bible hear that term over and over and over again. Yes, they do. So I got two questions. One would be, help me understand really what expositional teaching is. And first of all, though, what turned you on to the Bible? What is the thing that you said, this is something I just need and I have to do with my life? Yeah, I came to Christ when I was 18 years of age. Um, I had been raised in a Christian home, but I rebelled deeply. And I got out into business at a very young age. And so I, I was managing a restaurant at 18, if you can imagine yeah. that bit. Um, but I had a, an experience where I had almost been killed in a car accident. It didn't have an accident, but nearly escaped and, and realized it had been the hand of God. That led to my conversion. But the kind of person that I am, I started wondering whether or not the God that I believed in was only the God that my parents taught me about in the church that I went up to, uh, that I was a part of. You know, was this the genuine God that existed? And that question led me to asking, can I trust my Bible? Ben, I've spent a lifetime now asking that question and feeling so assured that the Bible that I read is the only book that I can trust. Yeah. I don't trust your opinion on things and I don't trust mine either. Yeah. Yeah. But I have come to believe that this book is the Word of God. So when it came to my own public ministry, I came to that same conclusion. Uh, I have nothing to say, but if I can learn this word well enough to be able to repeat its thoughts and context, then what I have to say is indeed profound and reflects the voice of God. The only way of knowing whether or not something comes from God is whether or not it comports with the scripture. I think you asked me also, what's expositional teaching yeah. there for? And I think expositional teaching comes down to this. 
when you teach on a text, every text has a main idea behind it. If the main idea of your sermon is exactly the same as the main idea of the text, chances are you're doing expositional preaching. You know, because a lot of people just approach, they've got a topic they want to speak about, then they find Bible verses to back up that topic, yes? Uh, but, you know, the Bible verses that they're quoting, what was the purpose of that? What was the purpose of that verse? And they don't bother to ask the question, see, that's not expositional preaching. And I would argue that's not biblicism. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, we'll be doing in the near future and has sort of stimulated this conversation is we want to go further and deeper into what is the Word of God, its authenticity, its trustworthiness, how do we handle the Word of God and things of that nature. So really our, our time today is sort of setting up uh, a number of programs yeah. that we'll have down the road, which are critical. And, and I guess that's the question. Why is understanding what the Bible is so critical to the Christian? I'm going to say that there is no book that the human family has that is even close to what the Bible is. It's unique in every sense, in its composition, in its message. I mean, we could demonstrate that in a number of ways that would really make us reflect and say, oh my goodness, I had no idea what the Bible was. Yeah. And I think if we explain that to people, they'll come to realize no matter what it is they're reading, they've never read anything like this. Which Ben, if I think about it, if God were to write a book, wouldn't we expect that book to be different than any other book that we have? So if we go to the Library of Congress, which has millions and millions and millions of volumes, I think 164 million volumes in the Library of Congress, biggest library in the world. Yeah, yeah. We should be able to say against those 164 volumes, not one of them is close to what the Bible is, and we should be able to demonstrate that, yeah. and I think we can. And I think that's what we want to do. Yeah. You know, uh, we've talked a lot in the past, particularly uh, with the 500th anniversary of the Reformation just passed. We've talked a lot in the past about how, how critical that time was, uh, allowing uh, the common person to have access to the Word of God. Are we sort of in the same situation? Or do we need another Reformation today? Do we need to remind people that the Word of God is available to them? Yeah, I think two reasons. One is, um, it's not, you know, at the time of Luther, at the time of the Middle Ages, most European Christians would have gone to Mass all of their lives and would never have heard a sermon from the Bible. Yeah. Most priests would never have read their Bible. What they would have been trained in is canon law. This is what the church believes. Um, so they became very accustomed to that. So they never were able to challenge what they believed with some objective standard. And I think we're in danger of that, especially if we spend our lifetime in church and you know, we get the thoughts and feelings of other people or how they've encountered God. You know, we started by talking about spirituality. So people will, you know, this is what the Lord showed me. I was listening the other day on the radio of somebody you know, telling of the journey they had had to heaven I died and went to heaven and then I came back. You know, we've all heard those stories. And this is what heaven is like. My response is, why in the world should I believe that person? So that's what I think we're doing by putting the, we need the, another reformation to put the Bible as central. Excellent, excellent. You know, in just a few minutes, we're gonna talk more about the Bible. It's significance to us as believers for our maturity and such and so forth. But uh, we'll take a break right now. So come back in just a moment for more of Truth In Life today.
welcome back to Truth and Life today. And we're talking with Dr. John Newfeld today about his perspective of the Bible, the Word of God, the uniqueness of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you uh, what seems to me a very obvious question, but for many it may not be. Yeah. Uh, can you be a Christian and not study the Word of God? Wow. Well, in the end, we're going to say that we're not made a Christian by studying the Word. Great question. Uh, we're made a Christian by the death of Christ on the cross on our behalf. Christ died for us, and uh, we have come to believe that his death and his resurrection is sufficient. I'm not saved by my own works. I'm saved by what Christ has done for me. When I stand before God, I'm not going to be judged on my merits, but on Christ's merits. Yeah. So I'm united with Christ. So that's the gospel. I'm saved by that. Well, where do I learn about that, you see? So I might have learned about that from a preacher, so I didn't have a Bible in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. But in the end of the day, some preacher had to read the actual text. That message that I've just enunciated is the biblical message. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I would argue that's the center of the biblical yeah. message. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, we believe that the 66 books of the Bible yeah. constitute the divine word of God. Yes. Now, recently, again, it would seem it's come up that a, that a very popular Bible teacher has said there's really no relevance to the Old Testament yeah. at all for us anymore, that the Christian should actually, I think even, even goes further than this, but focus on the New Testament alone. Yeah, the problem with half-truths yeah. is that we concentrate on the half that's true, and then we allow that to fill up our whole imagination. So I read that whole quote, and I know what you've been talking about. Uh, let me say this, Ben, that in the early church, before the New Testament had been written, all of the Old Testament, I mean, all of the New Testament preachers taught the Old Testament in the light of Christ. In other words, they thought that the life of Christ was the interpretive key to understanding those first 39 books. So they thought they were entirely relevant. They taught it. And indeed, I would go on to say that the New Testament has hundreds and hundreds of quotes from the Old Testament in, in a way yeah. What the New Testament actually does is it interprets the Old Testament to us. Let me take one step further. The phrase Old Testament, well, we didn't get that till hundreds of years later. So God didn't put that. No, there's no, no yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're simply known as the scriptures of God. Yeah. So I, I love to talk about the Old Testament as the first testament. And then in the light of Christ, we have the explanation of what those 39 books are all about. So. Yeah. I would think, uh, clearly, we, we need some interpretive key to the Old Testament or the, the First Testament, mm. uh, lest we're left just simply scrambling, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, Christ fulfills it in every way. But to throw it away, Ben, that, that's a terrible mistake. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, we have those folks who would say, well, I've had a new revelation. I want to add to the Word of God, and this being given to me from Him, and so these are, these are new revelations, in exactly. essence. Uh, what do we think of that? You know, the book of Hebrews does something wonderful for us at the beginning. It says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers in many ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in Christ. And then he speaks about who Christ is, that he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, meaning to say that when Christ has come, we've come to the capstone of God's revelation. So the entire story has been building, building, building until finally we see what the whole story is all about. 
So to say that Christ is supreme and that the New Testament declares the gospel of Christ, if we're going to say there's a new revelation after that, you've got to say that there's something greater than Christ, which in fact, I'm going to say, then directly contradicts the entirety of those 66 books. So either we have a new revelation, in which case the 66 books that make up our Bible are untrue. Okay. And that's eventually what it is because those 66 books claim that they have the final and complete authority of God. It is God's word once and for all given. Yeah. Um, so I I'm not opposed to if somebody's saying, I think the Lord told me something, but if they do that, I think only a careful analysis of Scripture itself will tell you whether or not you ought to believe that person. Okay. Now, obviously we're saying the, the Word of God is God's Word. How should we approach His Word? How should we study? How do we understand the Scriptures? Yeah. Well, I mean, an easy way is to say, always read the Bible in a sense the way in which we read any other book. Uh, we pay attention to the context. We pay attention to the actual grammar that's there. Uh, in the case of the Bible, which is a historic document, we should be paying attention to the historical context out of which something came. We should also seek to understand what it meant to the people to which it was given. Then last, after we've done that, we seek to apply it to our own hearts. Now, here's what I think the Holy Spirit does in all of this. When we understand what the Bible actually says to us, to you and I, Ben, we're going to find that offensive. You know, the Bible is going to tell you and I that we've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible is going to expose our own sin and say that in the end, we have nothing to commend ourselves before God. Ben, your pride and my pride are going to say that just can't be the case. So we're going to want to twist the Bible to make it say something else. The Holy Spirit comes in and he actually gives us a heart that's pleased in what we're reading. We find ourselves not delighted in ourselves, but in the glory of God. That's a miracle. Only the Holy Spirit can give us that. But that doesn't bypass the mind. We still pay attention to the actual grammar and the meaning of the text itself. Now, what would you say, and I know we're getting close to the end of the program, to those who would say, you know what, the Bible, old news, it's archaic, it's irrelevant, it has nothing to do with us today. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, not only is that untrue, have a look around you. There, is, there are still millions and millions of people who are finding in the Bible the book of life. It is still that book that has outsold and outstripped every other book in history. Let me say this, in the last 50 years, there have been more than four billion copies of the Bible sold. The next nearest competitor is 800 million. Not even close, not even close. The Bible is translated into more languages than any other book. The Bible took a longer time to write than any other book, and the Bible is still transforming more people than any other book. Objectively, demonstrably, that's not true. Thanks so much, John. And, and what we wanted to say again is that in the next number of weeks, we're going to be breaking this down a bit more thoroughly into, is the Word of God trustworthy? What, what is the uniqueness of the Word of God? How, it, how did it come about? Things and questions fundamental to our faith like that. But uh, join us again in just a couple of minutes when we'll just have some summary conversation with Dr. Neufeld.
Well, welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, thanks so much for taking the, the last few minutes to yeah. help us uh, understand a little bit more about the history of the Word of God and its power. Uh, just a couple of quick questions, just in closing today. One is, uh, what is the one thing that you think people ought to know about the Bible? It's readable. <laughs> you know what? It's amazing. Uh, how sometimes people, if they don't spend time in the Word, you know, they think it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think they shouldn't start in Genesis and work their way through to the end. I think they should start probably in the book of Luke. That would be a great place to start. Uh, or maybe John's Gospel. Um, then maybe move on to something very difficult, which is Romans, but it'll really delight their soul. But if you start to read in the book of Luke and just read the stories of Jesus, you'll find yourself, I mean, enamored with this stuff. Yeah. and you'll find it engaging, yeah. and it'll be better than any novel that you've touched. Yeah. It just reads so easily and is so engaging. Okay. Last question. Uh, in the next number of weeks, we're going to be talking more about the Bible. Uh, why is this important? Why should people tune in to listen to what we have to say? Ben, God has spoken. Think of those words. The Creator of the universe who made everything that exists. And still as we're looking out in you know, the Hubble telescope and seeing the, the magnificence of the created universe, the one who set all of that in place has spoken and left the human race with the record of his words. Oh my, I mean, it's just staggering to think that this great God is speaking to you and I. Yeah. Uh, what I, I mean, I, I am still overwhelmed with that, having spent a lifetime studying this book. I find myself staggered with the thought. Excellent. Thanks, John. You know, we're excited about what's going to take place in the next few weeks. So remember to join us again right here on Truth and Life today. And if you want to know more, just check out our website. And we look forward to seeing you next week right here on Truth and Life Today. <laughs>